This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. And if you are visiting, if you are visiting, this is your first time with us. Blessings to you. Glad that you're here. And uh, if you are visiting today, so there are uh, welcome bags, visitor bags that we uh, give out. I want to make sure that you, everyone gets one of those. And for those who are worshiping with us online, uh, welcome as well. It looks like we might be having some trouble with YouTube this morning, but as a reminder, you can go through our website or Facebook as well. So we have backups of backups. All right, some announcements. Uh, we, so tomorrow is the men's breakfast. That's going to be uh, 8 a.m. at Phil's Filling Station. And uh, please, men, join in. Uh, a good time of fellowship and food. And bacon. You always have to have bacon, right? Men's breakfast, ba- right? Right? Okay, yeah. Bacon. All right, who needs eggs? Uh, and for those who don't, don't want bacon, or you can have bacon and you can uh, later on, come at uh, 10 o'clock here at Joy Church, and it is Hands of Joy. Uh, those are uh, knitting, crocheting, and even if you don't know how to knit or crochet, you can learn how to do that. And uh, we give those, we have prayer shawls, but we also give baby blankets and other things to uh, Choices Pregnancy Center. So that is a very good ministry. Then as a reminder, we are in our season of Lent, and we are having uh, Lenten services at 7 p.m. each Wednesday. And we have been doing the series, What is the AFLC? And this week, it is, what does it mean to be Lutheran? So we are a free Lutheran congregation. And so, for, I, because I know a lot of people come to Joy Church, which is wonderful, but we are also within the Lutheran tradition. It's like, well, what does that really mean? So we're going to be covering that. All of them, by the way, are online. So we live stream in the evening and then uh, also uh, take out just the talk and put that as a separate video as well for those who want to watch that. Okay, are there other announcements that I should be making that I might have missed? All right. We do everything we do, including contributing financially to the ministry of Joy Church for one reason and one reason only. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Amen. Will you please stand as you are able? So we begin our time of worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our call to worship is from Psalm 118. Together, please. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. And let's sing a song of light this morning. Shine, Jesus, shine. Jesus, light of the world, 
shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Play, Spirit, place. Set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. shadows into your radiance. By the blood I may enter your brightness. Search me, try me, consume all my darkness. Shine on me. Shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, Spirit, blaze. Set He is the light of the world. And yet, we sometimes don't walk in that light. We stumble, we fall, we sin. And he says, come to me, confess your sin, and I will forgive you. I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So let us come as a body, confess our sin, and receive his forgiveness. Heavenly Father, We come before you to seek your mercy and grace. We have sinned against you and against ourselves with our wrong attitudes of selfishness and pride. We have not followed completely what you have told us in your word and have at times even rebelled against your ways. We are sorry. We seek your forgiveness and cleansing through your Son, Jesus Christ, to whom all praise and glory will be given in his name. Amen. If that indeed is your confession with a repentant heart, I declare to you the wonderful news that Christ declares. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. You may be seated.
Let's come before our God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, for your power, your majesty, your might. We thank you and praise you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Through your love and your grace, your mercy, you have showered upon us blessing upon blessing in Christ Jesus. We pray that we are filled this morning with gratitude. We pray that we are filled by the Holy Spirit so our hearts acknowledge the blessings you have given us, that our minds are set on Christ Jesus, and that we follow him day by day. We pray all of this to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. We come before you, Heavenly Father, and we lift up our family, our friends, and our loved ones who are in need of healing. Some of them are going through extremely difficult times. And we ask that you would be with them to comfort them. But our plea, our prayers for healing. And so this morning, we lift up Valerie and Linda S., Susan, Judy T., Nicole and Heidi. We pray for Katie and Lisa, for Susan Smith, for Adam and Claude. We lift up Rita and Nancy, Ione and Todd, Allie, Gary, Sue and Tim. Lord God, we ask that you would hear our prayers, that you would be with our loved ones, that you would bring them and restore them to full health. Lord, in your mercy, we pray, gracious God, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit to be with our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors who don't know you, who don't know Jesus. We ask that you would intervene, provide that miracle of faith, as only you can provide that faith. Let souls be saved, gracious God. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for your light to shine in this world, that people would know how much you love them, that especially in those who are in darkness, who are in despair, who are in such pain that they are thinking of taking their lives that you would shine your light into their lives. We also pray for the men and women, for the doctors, the caregivers, and the lawgivers, that they would understand that the unborn are precious in your sight, that you are the author of life, and that they would acknowledge the preciousness of life from the very beginning to the very end. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for the church at large, 
We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted for the sake of following Jesus Christ. We ask that you would keep them safe, that you would keep them out of harm's way, that you would shield them, that you would protect them. And we ask that you would work repentance in the minds, the hearts, the souls of those who are persecuting, those who are enemies of you, that you would work repentance in their lives. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for a a spirit of zeal for discipleship in all of the Christian churches around the world. Let us shrug off that apathy. Let us stand firm in the word. Proclaim Christ with boldness. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all of the men and women who are missionaries here and abroad, that you would protect them, that you would encourage them, because the work is very, can be very hard. Gracious God. We pray for Mafu and Edna in Paraguay, and we We lift up all of those who are in missions in the AFLC, and we pray for uh, Pastor Earl and his work in the world missions. Lord, in your mercy, we thank you for Joy Church here. We thank you for the Spirit, your Spirit, which is present here. We ask that you would guide us that you would grow us in love for you and grow us in numbers. Have this be a place, a beacon of light for this town. Lord, in your mercy. Now we pray for our nation. We pray for all of our leaders. We pray for the president, the Congress, the Supreme Court, governors, mayors, and all legislative leaders. We pray that first and foremost, they know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they are led by his truth and his righteousness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now we take a moment to lift our personal prayers unto you. We lift this all up. In the name of Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior, amen. Now we have a sharing of God's Word. For those who are visiting today, there are also sermon notes, and they have the um, Bible numbers, uh, page numbers on them as well, and they correspond to your pew Bibles. Good morning. Another beautiful day in Fountain Hills in Arizona. Our first reading is the Old Testament, 
Lesson taken from Leviticus 2, verses 9 through 13, and you can see it's page 97 in your pew Bible. And the priest shall take from the grain offering its memorial portion and burn this on the altar, a food offering with a pleasant aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. No grain offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As an offering of the first fruits, you may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar for a pleasing aroma. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. And the New Testament reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12 on page 1204. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of his, him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Will you please stand as you are able for a reading of the gospel? The gospel is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and six, through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. In response to God's word, let us confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, 
by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and ascended at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. I have to say one thing this morning. We've been blessed by having Laura with us. It's Becky's sister-in-law, and this is her last Sunday to play with us. So we thought we would do something a little different this Sunday. You guys all know this song, don't you? You know, we got to do hand motions, so you got to stand. <laughs> this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
be seated. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of that song, for the light that Jesus is in our lives. Illuminate your word this morning so the light of Christ Jesus truly shines ever brighter in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are continuing our series, The Parables of Jesus, and today we have the parable of salt and light. Now at first glance, this doesn't seem like a parable because one, it's really short. There's not much of a story that goes with it, but it does use metaphor or analogy, if you will, uh, to illustrate some points. So it really is a parable. And one of the things about all of the parables that we've discussed along the way is that you need context to help understand the depth, the breadth, the implications of the parable. So the context for this parable, what happens just before it, is the Sermon on the Mount. It is one of the most profound, and it's the longest recorded uh, sermon that Jesus gave. And it is in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And it begins with the Beatitudes. And almost everybody knows this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
See, in the beginning of this sermon, the Beatitude, Jesus proclaims blessing after blessing after blessing. As a matter of fact, Beatitudes means perfect blessing or perfect blessedness. So what is blessedness? It's a pronouncement of God's favor. It's a pronouncement of God's grace, his mercy, his love. It's the pronouncement that in God and through him in Christ Jesus, you have your salvation. You have eternal life. And through the Holy Spirit, you have communion forever and ever. See, to be blessed is to have the assurance of receiving his favor. This is why everybody loves, just loves the Beatitudes. Now, one of the things, though, is that it's just easy to stop there and to kind of just bask in the blessedness. And by the way, that's fine to do. But as the followers of Jesus, we are not only blessed, we are then to share that blessing with others. As we have been blessed, we share that blessing. And that's really kind of the transition into this parable. Because you have been blessed, you are to bless the world by being salt and light. As you have been blessed, bless others. Because you've been blessed by him who is above all. Bless the world by being salt and light. Now, here's the thing. Salt and light. We've all heard that. Sounds pretty simple. As a matter of fact, when I was preparing for this particular message, I thought, well, that should be pretty easy. Just oh, salt, light, good. Kind of check the boxes. And then I got into it, and I realized by the time I had finished salt, if I did light, we'd be here for, oh, a long time. And so I have to apologize to Regina because I said, it's about salt and light, but today it's just going to be salt, okay? And we sang all the songs are about light, so maybe we'll just sing the same songs next week. Okay, all right. Oh, we, we enjoyed that. All right, so it is about salt this morning. And before we even get into the salt part, I want to focus on two words. Because Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Notice he begins by saying, you are. He does not say this as a suggestion. He doesn't say, you know, if you want to be it, if you feel like it today, just you know, be the salt. Or I'm just suggesting you, suggesting to you that you can be the light. No, these are declarative statements. You are. That's how we are to be in this world. Let me give you a little example. I think that helps this even more. This would never happen, by the way. But let's say it was Marine boot camp. And the drill sergeant at this Marine boot camp has all these new recruits in front of him. And he comes up and he says, well, gentlemen, um, 
I'd like to suggest to you today that um, you should be a Marine. Uh, Now, I don't want to push this on you. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. But, you know, when you're out in the world and there's war going on, okay, because that's what we do, you know, there's war going on and there's bullets flying overhead and bombs bursting, I would just like, if you're not too uncomfortable, for you to be a Marine. But if, if you're too uncomfortable, you would just stay home, okay? That would never happen, would it? Never happen. He would say, today, this point forward and forevermore, you are a Marine, and you will always be a Marine. As a matter of fact, what's their motto? Semper Fi, right? Which means always faithful. You will always be faithful in being a Marine. That's who you are. And once a Marine, always a Marine. Do you get the sense of that? You are. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. You see, this is a call of who you are to be in the world, and not apart from the world, in the world. Many people think that as Christians, what we do is that we, well, we go to church, we worship, then we go home. Actually, we go to brunch first, right? And then we go home, and then we read our Bible, and maybe we pray, and that's it, right? That we could be sequestered away from the rest of the world. But that's never, never been what Jesus said. He said that you are to be in the world. Not like the world, but in the world. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 17, John chapter 17, and this is the night just hours before Jesus is captured and that he is taken away and then to be crucified the next day. He prays. Chapter 17 is all one long prayer. And he prays for his disciples. And this is just a little snippet. I do not ask, and he's praying to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, love them even as you have loved me. Jesus sent his disciples into the world. He sends us into the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So, with the understanding of those two little words, how important they are, let's now understand salt, okay? The full text, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So salt, 
Salt is something that we take for granted today, right? It's just a commodity, very easy to get. But not that long ago, I would say 200 years or even less, and certainly uh, further back than that, salt was precious. It was not just a commodity, it was precious. You know, in, in ancient times, there are even well worn roads named by salt. In going into Rome, there was one road that was called Salaria, which means salt road. And I don't know if you know this, but in the Roman Empire, soldiers were often paid with salt. And the word for that payment is the same word for which we get salary. And you've heard the phrase, worth your salt? If you do a good job, you are worth your salt. That's how important salt was in the days of Rome. But even if you go back further, it had even greater significance. So salt was often used to have an agreement between two people be legally binding. If two parties entered into agreement they would eat some salt in front of other witnesses to show that this was a legally binding agreement. We actually have a couple of instances of that in the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 13 says, Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingship over Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt? And in Leviticus, even earlier from our reading today, you shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. So it had a great significance for the people, for the hearers, when Jesus was saying, you are the salt of the earth. You have to understand that because right now, today, salt is just like, well, everybody has salt. Okay, so salt was not just a commodity. It was seen as precious. But why was it precious? Well, there's a number of reasons why salt was and is still precious. We're going to work on just two of them, flavor and preserving. Okay, so salt is one of those four basic tastes that your tongue has. There is sweet, sweet, salty, sour, and bitter. Those are the four fundamental tastes that your tongue has. But salt is special in this regard in that it enhances flavor like nothing else. Cooks need salt for their food. So it enhances sweetness. Anybody salt their watermelon? Well, yeah, a couple of diehards in there. Yeah, I salt it. Everybody else is like, what? But actually it does. It It enhances the sweetness of the watermelon. It also suppresses bitterness. Salt concentrates flavors. Some of the soup, when you make it, if it doesn't have enough salt, it tastes a little thin. 
It actually concentrates those flavors. Now, you be, might be thinking, okay, uh, this is a culinary class. What has this to do with being a disciple? Well, let me put it this way. Have you ever been around somebody who's a sourpuss? They are just cantankerous about everything, right? Or you've been around somebody who's bitter, and their bitterness seems to spread. And if you have a sourpuss and a bitter person together, that's a tough conversation, right? So <laughs> I didn't think I'd get a hallelujah on that one, but okay. But you all know that, right? So you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, can flavor the interactions you have with other people. And that's what we're really getting at here. As a follower of Jesus, you can bless those with whom you interact by flavoring the interaction. Paul put it this way. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You see, there are some people who simply have the joy of the Lord with them. And when they enter into interactions with others, that sourness is often made sweeter because of the joy of the Lord. It could be what you actually say. It could be simply who you are, right? That you are filled with the joy of the Lord. You can also then take away some bitterness as you walk with the Lord as you model Christ Jesus, who you are softens people. It can take away the bitterness that somebody has. And when you are walking with Christ Jesus and you enter into some interactions, God is glorified. And you concentrate the message of love, grace, and mercy through God the Father in Christ Jesus. All of this happens because you are shaped by following Jesus and that you are walking in the Spirit. And we talked about this actually on Wednesday night. When you have are walking and have aliveness in the Spirit, you have the fruit of the Spirit, right? And I think we really should sing that on Wednesday night. So, for those who want to learn or haven't sung that for a while, Wednesday night, be here. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you add these into the mixture simply because of who you are, you are being the salt of the earth. You are flavoring the interactions around you. So that's one way to talk about being salt of the earth. But there is another way. And then salt actually preserves. It's a preservative. You're all familiar with this, right? For all the men who like bacon, it's salted, right? Or beef jerky. You know, that wasn't even in my manuscript here, but beef jerky, right? 
But we do that. I mean, it's been from ancient days. You use salt to preserve various foods, including even vegetables. I bet one of your favorite salted vegetables is a cucumber. We call them pickles, right? We brine things in salt to preserve them. What does salt do? Well, it stops the bacteria. It stops the mold. All of that stuff, it stops decay. And this is where we're going to spend most of the time talking about being the salt of the earth by preventing decay. Because in our world, you can easily see that there's a lot of spiritual and moral decay, right? A lot of spiritual and moral decay. But I have to let you know, that's not just today. It's been happening since almost the beginning. Before sin entered into the world, before sin entered in the Garden of Eden, it was paradise. There was perfect harmony with God. There was no death. And perhaps the greatest miracle of all, there was no arguing in marriage. Right? Right? I mean, that, that's paradise right there, isn't it? Perfect harmony. But then sin entered in. And there was shame, blame, distance from God, distance from each other. And very soon after that, there was death, there was murder. Cain killed Abel. But God in his grace and his mercy preserved his creation. And with the Israelites, his chosen ones, he preserved them, did he not? He said, you are mine. And he had them be separate from others and to live a life that was separate from others. And he gave them 10 commandments. So these commandments are a guardrail for the Israelites. They should follow these, right? To have a good, fruitful life, one that honors God. So one of the aspects of the Ten Commandments, it acts as a curb for us, for our destructive tendencies. Now, the law doesn't save us, does it? Because we can't keep it, but it is there to guard and to curb our self-destructive tendencies. So God preserved his people, and he gave them guardrails. There are more than guardrails, but this is one way to talk about the law, okay? But there came one who fulfilled the law perfectly. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He filled all, fulfilled all of the law, and he actually came, and he died for our sins to pay the price that we could not pay. And he says, when you believe in me, you will be blessed. You will be blessed 
in a way greater than we can ever imagine to have eternal life. And he said, as I have, as I have saved you and you have been blessed, bless others. Bless them by being salt of the earth. Not that by blessing others, you gain brownie points, right? There's no brownie points in here. There isn't any pride in here that we are simply compelled by the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so we are to bless the world also then by preserving because you have been are blessed in him you are blessed you are to bless others by being a preservative as salt you can act as a preserving agents against moral and spiritual decay that's what you can actually do by being salt of the earth but the question is okay well how do we actually do that right how can we be a preserving agent So I'm going to get into a couple points, but before I get into those points, I want to give you a little bit of a warning. Uh, This was a much longer section, by the way, but for the sake of time, I had to really just cut it down. So here it is. Our natural tendency, if we say, all right, I've got to be a preserving agent, is we lead with might. We lead with force. And we think that might equals right. Now, we see this with rulers, with emperors, with dictators, all throughout history, whether they are secular or religious. There's a sense of, if I can just force the people to do it, that's the right thing. So, one of the ways we have done this in our culture is we have used politics and creating laws as a way to use might to be right. Longer section in here, I'm just giving you a thumbnail. This is not to dissuade anybody from being involved in politics. As a matter of fact, there are good things that can come from laws. I don't know if you knew this, but the abolition of slavery in England, right? England was the empire of the world at the time. Came because a fellow that you know, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. He was a slave trader. He was born again and said, this is not right. We're made in the image of God. Became a clergyman. And he mentored a fellow named William Wilberforce who for 20 years worked in the English parliament to abolish slavery. So this can be a good thing, right? And we have seen also that uh, not long ago, Roe v. Wade overturned. It hasn't abolished abortion everywhere, but it has allowed states, certain individual states, to start making their laws. So, There are some good things that can come out of politics, but mostly, and you know this, politics is about power. And one side wants to win, and the other side wants to win. And this is endemic on both the right and the left. So if you get into politics and it becomes just about power, 
You're not being salt of the earth. You're just focused on power. Now, I'm not too worried about that because uh, most of us right here are not going to jump into politics. I'm guessing, right? If you do, fine. Just, you know, keep Christ center. (laughs) But the thing is, when I read the New Testament, nowhere do I ever see a mandate that says, fight the culture by going into politics. Win the culture by your might. I don't see that at all. Rather, Jesus says, be salt of the earth. Be light of the world and influencing those directly around you. Okay? That's the short version of that, believe it or not. So, a couple things that I see for people who, the men and the women who are truly being salt of the earth. I think there are three things that tie them together. The first is, know what you believe. Know what you believe. Not just kinda, but we've talked about this so many times. You're standing on the solid rock. You know that God exists and that he has created everything. You know that sin has entered the world and we live in a fallen world. You know that God the Father sent Jesus Christ, his only son, for our salvation. And that in him and him alone are we saved. That he suffered, died, and rose again. By the way, does this sound familiar? It should sound like one of the creeds that we have. So, We look to the creeds. Those are kind of our guide rails, too, for what we believe. But we don't believe the creeds because they're the creeds, because they point back to Scripture. We don't believe what we believe just because we want to, because it is what God has said. Paul, when he wrote to his protege, Timothy, He said this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So if I were going to paraphrase that last verse there, I might say that the men and women of God may be complete, equipped to be salt. So again, we go back to his word again and again and again. You want to know why John Newton and William Wilberforce had such a stand against slavery? Because they knew that we were all made in the image of God. And we are to treat one another with love, with grace and mercy. And slavery is an abomination to that. They knew it because of his word. So, the first is know what you believe. The second is keep your conduct honorable. And really, if you want this in really simple, simple terms, now that you're a Christian, act like it. It's actually that simple. Because the world is not, it will judge you on what you believe, but the world will judge you even more harshly on how you act. So, from our reading from 1 Peter. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh 
which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You see, how you act is a direct reflection of your walk with Jesus. And there's no other way to say that. How you act is a direct reflection on your walk of faith, your walk with Jesus. To say that I follow Jesus and then to swear like a sailor, to look at things you shouldn't be looking at, to, do, to gossip, right? This is not a walk of faith. The Holy Spirit should be coming alongside you and saying, no, 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 this is not the way of Christ. And by the way, people will hate you for what you believe. Just read the rest of the Beatitudes. You'll be persecuted for what you believe. But... Your conduct should be such that no one can say anything against you regarding your conduct. Paul wrote about this in Ephesians. He said, Now this I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Keep your conduct honorable. If you don't, what you do is you dirty the salt that you are. And dirty salt really isn't worth anything. That's what Jesus also warned, that if salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything except for trampling underfoot the manure pile. So people who are salt of the earth, They know what they believe. They keep their conduct honorable. And the last is they speak the truth in love and deed. For salt to preserve, it needs to be applied. It cannot just sit there in a pile apart from the world. It actually needs to be used, right? So this, by the way, this does not give you license Just say, well, I'm salt of the earth, and I'm just going to go around and just put salt in all the wounds, because that's what I need to do. I'm active. That's not it. You have to be, speak the truth in love and deed. So it is the love of God in Christ Jesus that compels us to act and speak, not to be silent or passive. And We're not given that out, by the way. You are the salt of the earth. You are to go out in the world. You are to speak the truth in love. Now, let me give you an example of how this all comes together. 
So there's an organization that we've talked about this before, and even this morning, Choices Pregnancy Center. I believe that they do all three things really well. They know what they believe, they keep their conduct honorable, and they speak the truth in love. They are first and foremost about the gospel and sharing the love of Christ with others. They have kept their conduct above reproach, and they certainly love in word and deed. They speak the truth with love. Let me give you just a couple of the numbers. I have the numbers from last year through the end of November. I don't have it through the end of December, but through the end of November, 326 women changed their mind from abortion to carry to full term. That's 326 lives. 5,817 came in for parenting class. 328 men attended fatherhood classes. There were 3,337 spiritual discussions, 974 gospel presentations for the first time, 116 new professions of faith, and 34 rededications to faith. Pretty amazing, right? Now, let me give you one example that they shared. There was a woman who had visited one of their centers, and upon completing the intake form, was identified as ABM, abortion-minded. So she was thinking about abortion. She stated her stress level was a 10 due to a recent passing of both her brother and her mother this past year. The client stated that she had experienced an ectopic pregnancy and was also post-abortive. When asked about her support system, the client stated she died, referring to her mother. When the client returned from her ultrasound, one of our staff members had a powerful conversation with her about the passing of her brother and mother, which the client later shared was very encouraging. The client was smiling and engaged during the ultrasound as she took pictures and recorded the video on her phone. She was also open to a spiritual discussion and prayer. She left the ultrasound appointment undecided regarding the future of her preborn baby. The client's advocate called a few, her a few days later, and the client stated she had decided to carry the baby full term, enroll in the parenting courses, and is excited to be a mom. Praise God. This is just one of the many incredible stories our clients, uh, of our clients we see at Choices Pregnancy. Are they being salt? Without doubt. They're also being light too, aren't they? You see, Jesus said, you are the salt of the world, salt of the earth. To be the salt of the earth, you need to know what you believe, keep your conduct honorable, speak the truth in love and deed. When you do these three things, you cannot help but be salt to the world that desperately needs it. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. One question before you today, will you take up his call? to bless others 
by being the salt of the earth. Amen. So in a moment, we are going to have the Lord's Supper, receiving his grace. So we, for those visiting today, we do the Lord's Supper two different ways. We do it first by procession. We'll do this side of the first church, this side first, this side second. And then for those who want the individual cups, we will do that after the procession. Our Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after they'd eaten and he'd given thanks, he took the cup. He gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Upon you. 
who are doing the individual cups, please open the bread. The body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Having received his body and his blood, be strengthened in your faith, knowing that through him, Your sins are forgiven. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Will you please stand as you are able? The first Sunday of the month, we pray the Lord's Prayer in song.
benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And our final song is I Saw the Light. Yeah, right? sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more in night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears I claim for my own. Then, like the blind man that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord. I saw the light, I saw the light, I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more in night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. a fool to wander and stray. Straight is the gate and narrow the way. Now I have traded the wrong for the right. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more in darkness, no more in night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow inside. I saw the light. One more time. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more in darkness. No more in night. Now I'm so happy. No sorrow inside. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Yay. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a blessed week, everyone.